0: Your attention, please. Please stand clear of the doors. Por favor, manténganse alejado de las puertas. Salagadula, metrigapoola, bibbidi bobbidi Put them together and what have you got? bibbidi bobbidi hey guys what's up and welcome back to the disney addicted podcast as you know i am brian this is show number man i think 14 already it's just flying by even with that huge break I took it's still way more episodes than I thought and I want to take a second to say thank you to everybody who's listening it's reaching so many more people like I thought I'd be sitting down and just having like my wife listen to it or my mom right but so many people are listening to it and and sending messages you know hey I'm listening to you when I'm driving to work and keep it up so I appreciate all that and thank you so much and thanks for the couple people that checked on me to figure to make sure I was doing good when I hadn't put out a podcast in a while made me want to put one out um but you know this episode's going to be a little bit different I wanted to talk to you guys about uh, something that happened to, happen to me when I was talking to someone else about Disney um that and I wanted to say a very special thank you. I know a couple of you guys commented and really like the new logo that I have. It's one of me. I'm eating a turkey leg. It's actually at a world showcase right in front of the uh, United States pavilion. And um, I have a a great friend. His name is Ricky Cash. He took that picture, made it, you know, kind of comic book style, got everything about it that you like about that logo is from him. He's a great friend. And I just wanted to say thank you very much to him. But to, to move on today with the show, um, it's about a conversation that I had with somebody who actually came to, you know, have a, a business meeting with me and we ended up talking about Disney. Um, and it, it was, you know, just to kind of summarize it before we get into it, it was about how his family loved Disney, but he doesn't go cause he's afraid of crowds. And I thought to myself, uh, you know, it made me so sad. Um, but Hey, enough with that. Let's, you know, get on with the show and, um, let's really tackle this subject. Hang on to them hats and glasses, because this here's a wildest ride in the wilderness. So, as I explained a little bit before, I was having a meeting with this gentleman, and I think I had a Mickey hat on or, or something like that. And he said, oh, my family loves Disney. You know, and I was like, oh, well, have you ever been to Disney World or Disneyland, been to one of the parks? Um, and his response made me incredibly sad. And his response was, you know, no, they go, but... I don't, I, I can't stand the crowds. And I just thought to myself, how much would I have been missing in life if I didn't go with my family? Like one of the greatest joys of my life is seeing, you know, my daughter and my wife walk down main street and the amount of joy that that brings them and how happy they are. And I'm like, how, how sad is that? This guy doesn't even know what he's missing. Um, and so in talking to him, I mean, I didn't sit there and preach to him about anything about what he should do. But in just talking to him, I realized maybe I have some knowledge that could help some people deal with their fears and deal with their, you know, phobias. And I'm going to preface this by saying to you guys, in no way am I a psychologist, a psychiatrist. In no way am I any counselor or anything that like that. This is purely for entertainment purposes not recommending, you know, you go out and do any of this. I'm just saying, this is what I have learned, what worked for myself and what has worked for so many people that I know. Um, and what's funny is the, the idea of being nervous in crowds is not uncommon and happens to millions of people. And I've actually seen other vloggers and podcasters try to tackle this subject, but I have to say, I completely disagree with almost everyone that I've seen myself. Um, And to give you kind of a preface of how I came upon, you know, these ideas and and kind of this knowledge, we have a family friend who is one of the most, you know, kind of world-renowned for treating anxiety without medication. And these are the principles kind of he came up with and kind of he teaches to this day to help thousands and thousands of people. Um, and it's out there. It's on, you know, YouTube and stuff like that. So I do not think he would be opposed to me sharing some of this information at all. It is my take on it. Like I said, I am not a psychiatrist, counselor, any of that. Um, so I'm sure I'm going to mess up some of the terminology and stuff like that. But I, I do hope this helps one person to take uh, some part of this. Maybe they are afraid of crowds and they won't go to Disney World because of it. So I guess where we could start off with is, you know, we are human beings. What makes us nervous? okay now you could say well different things make different people nervous but what i'm talking about is biologically what happens in our body that makes us nervous well what happens is we have a little a small part in the front of our brain called our amygdala now our amygdala is only responsible for three three things it's a call to action of you're going to fight flight or freeze okay so when we're you know there's you know a long long time ago when people were living in the woods. Uh, The amygdala was responsible. If you saw a bear, you were either going to fight that thing or you were going to take off running, right? And what happened is in, you know, evolutionarily, the people who ran faster from that bear survived, right? They didn't get eaten. So we're left with these biological markers and this fight or flight response that we now, I can't tell you we have no use for because there are situations where you have to run from something, you have to fight something, right? But it's overproduced. Because we used to have a great need for it. So then when you know that, the big subject is, well, how do we teach it to stop firing off me to run away or fight when I don't want it to, when there's no use? Like there's really no use to be nervous of a crowd, right? Um, So how do we teach our brain that? So this is where it comes down to where I disagree with a lot of other vloggers and podcasts that I have listened to, where they come up with all... These kind of ideas of, well, how do I avoid crowds? Well, how do I avoid crowds? Well, I go in this area because it's not crowded and that makes me feel better and I go get a snack or something because it makes me feel better. And you know what? In the short term, that might make them feel better. But I don't know about you, but ultimately, if my daughter or my family wanted to go to Disney and I decided to go, the best thing wouldn't for me be for me to avoid these and worry about them and thinking about how I avoid that feeling. It would be to make it so that I was okay and I was able to handle the emotions that happened when I was in that crowd. That's the ultimate goal, right? It's not to avoid the things we're afraid of in life. It's to learn how to deal with those emotions and that anxiety of doing it. Because guess what? No matter how much anxiety we feel, it's not going to hurt us. It's an emotion. We feel it. It's just like anger. We get angry. We're not afraid of getting angry. We know what's going to pass. Well, it's the the same with anxiety. We can feel those emotions. We can process them. We can almost lean into them and see what would happen if I made this emotion worse. And it passes. So the idea of how do we teach our brain to not fire off those chemicals, that adrenaline, when we don't need it to. Well, for that, we need to know how the amygdala learns, right? It's a very simple part of our brain. So when the amygdala detects that we are approaching something that could be potentially scary, it defers to us about what our behavior is in that moment. So to give you an example, let's say I'm afraid to touch uh, doorknobs because there could be germs on them, <laughs> which in this disease-ridden northeast that I live in is a potential fear. Um, maybe possibly warranted, but no. So, so let's say... I get a little scared of touching a doorknob because there could be germs on it. When I approach that doorknob and I see it, my amygdala kicks on and it looks for what my behavior is going to be. If I decide to not touch that doorknob, let's say I go get a napkin or let's say I just decide not to go through that doorway at all. Excuse me. Um, I decide to not go through that doorway at all. It learns that that's a threat even more because based on our behavior it should make us nervous when it sees that because we avoided it so our behavior no matter what we're feeling inside when we perceive a threat teaches our brain what to do right so if i was afraid of touching doorknobs and my brain perceived me for three years to avoid touching that doorknob, I am reinforcing that push of adrenaline every single time I am teaching my brain that that is something to be afraid of when it's not. So, so let's say that one day I said, hey, listen, uh, I can't avoid doorknobs anymore. I have to actually go through this door. It would be three years of built up being teaching my brain That this is something to be afraid of. So when I do finally go and I grab that doorknob, how do I teach my brain that that is no longer a threat, right? That becomes the next question. So I know how it makes it worse, right? So avoiding crowds would make it worse. Avoiding touching things would make it worse. Avoiding all these things. Avoidance creates more and more intense anxiety. You know, same things with phobias. So let's say somebody's afraid of a spider. Every time they see a a spider, they freak out and they run away when they don't need to. They're generally harmless animals that will leave you alone, right? But they freak out and run away, freak out and run away. They're continually teaching their amygdala to pump out more and more and more adrenaline right? So how do we teach our brain not to pump out that adrenaline, right? Because if you're listening to this, and you do have a fear of crowds, you're already at that point where you've taught your brain, you've probably done things to avoid crowds, maybe you don't go to the mall during a during a busy time of the year, maybe you don't go to the store, because it's just a little too crowded, maybe you don't take your family out to vacation to Disney World or Disneyland, because it's too crowded, it makes you nervous, right? So how do we teach your brain not to do that? Right? And the answer is, is in one simple way, it's simple of just do it, right? But you you can't generally do that right away or it has a negative effect of this person freaks out and runs away and teaches their brain even more that it needs to be afraid of that. So what we do is called safety learning. It's called exposure therapy, right? So uh, let's say we take the uh, case of this gentleman talking to me saying, you know, let's make it specific to Disney parks. So let's say I am terrified of being in crowds and that's why I don't take my family to Disney. What could I start out with doing? Well, one way is exposure therapy of getting into crowds, right? But that can be too intimidating for some people at first. So we're going to start with being mindful and using meditation, which sounds like, oh, I'm talking about hum hum, right? Like doing all this stuff. People think you're weird. But no, it's not like that. What's great about our brain is sometimes it cannot distinguish the difference between our imagination as far as safety learning and actually going and doing it. So what I would do is I would put myself in a very relaxed state. I would use focused breathing. I would use, you know, basically anything works as long as you do it. And then I would introduce the thought of being in a crowd in Disney World. And I may, if there's a certain word associated with that, I would repeat that word over and over and over. And I would slowly intensify that till I started to get nervous about being in that crowd all in my head. And I would try to provoke that anxiety. I would try to make it worse. I am in a safe place. I'm probably sitting on my couch at home. But I'm trying to bring on that anxiety of being in that crowd and seeing if I can do it. And if I can do that, I use tools that are taught to me to help me deal with those emotions, not escape the situation. Right? Because when I actually go to that park... I can't escape that situation or I'm just going to be running around avoiding crowds the whole time. I want to sit there and be strong enough, be a fighter to be able to handle those emotions that are being dealt with me and continue to enjoy my experience. Now, to somebody who's never heard of this, it sounds ridiculous. How can I sit there and feel petrified but still enjoy my experience? Well, once you realize that those petrified emotions and sensations can't hurt you, and you just let them pass and you feel them, and choose, you choose to enjoy that moment with your family, it makes all the difference in the world. So as we go back to that situation, I'm afraid of crowds. So let's say I can provoke some anxiety with imagining those things. First, I focus on my breath. Maybe I focus on a sensation I get when I am nervous. So let's say I get butterflies in my stomach. So maybe I see if I can make those butterflies go even faster by counting and slowing down my breath, right? Seems counterintuitive, but what I want you to do is not be afraid of that sensation. So I really focus on that sensation and almost try to make it worse while focusing On something I can control that is my breath I can count my breaths I can slow down my breath and doing this enough will make you realize that sensation goes away and what you even don't realize is the worse I try to make it the quicker it will go away by controlling my breath the second thing I would try to do is I would try to make myself present in that moment and how could I make myself present in that moment I can, number one, be where my butt is or be where my feet is. And I do this. I can tell you personally, I do this by listening to the surrounding things. Like You can maybe hear a car going by by me right now. That was that noise. But in that moment, what am I listening to? What can I hear? And really concentrate on that. Or maybe I'm eating. Maybe I'm eating a churro and I'm in a big crowd. What does that taste like? What is the texture of that? What is, I'm really grounding myself and bringing myself into that moment. Maybe my daughter's talking to me and I really listen to her voice. And what does that sound like? And how much joy does it bring bring me to hear her talk about what she's talking about, right? I get a little curious about it. And in doing that, I bring myself to right where I am right now. And you may think, well, what's the third step? Well, the third step I want to do is I want you to view the anxiety you're having about being in that crowd or in that moment as energy that your body is being given, right? Because that's all it is. Your amygdala said, hey, we might have a threat right here. Here's a a poop loader of adrenaline because you're going to need it to run away. Use that for good. Use that to connect with your family. Use that to book it to the next ride you want to go to, right? Right? So you have three steps. You have three tools to use in a row when you start to get those sensations of being nervous in that crowd. And it doesn't matter if you at the first time you have to go over those tools 50 different times. If every time you expose yourself in your head to that crowd, or if you're actually sitting in that crowd, that anxiety, if it started at a 10, the next time it will go to a nine and the next time it will go to an eight and the next time it will go to a seven, right? So that's what we can do as far as imagining the crowds in our head. Now, once we have that down, we can actually expose ourselves to a crowd, maybe. Maybe we can go to the mall and we can sit there and we can use our tools and calm ourselves and realize we're not going to die from a heart attack by having this crowd around us or nobody's going to do anything, whatever, you know. We realize that this is safe and there are safe ways to teach us this is safe. And then you'd eventually get up to... Maybe you go to a regional park, a regional amusement park, and you sit there, sit on a bench, people watch. That's one of my favorite things to do is sit on a bench and people watch, right? And, and use those tools. Use those three tools. You know, it's control your breathing and focus on the sensation and try to make it worse. It's, uh, you know, be where your butt is. Really ground yourself into what you're listening, what you're seeing, and get curious about it even get curious about the sensations you're getting from being nervous nervous there's nothing dangerous about those sensations they won't hurt you and you know thirdly use that energy you were given you know because if you sit there and let that energy bottle up you know let's picture your bodily body like a battery and every once in a while you need to drain that battery so that it doesn't overflow right so really really sit there and be curious about the things you're experiencing and you know, thirdly use that energy you know so That is what I've learned personally and what I've heard has worked for thousands and thousands and thousands of other people. And you can apply this to pretty much anything in your life. Because as you know, as human beings, we want to feel comfortable. We want to feel, you know, that we're safe. But we don't realize is the best moments of our life come when we step out of that comfort zone and we take those chances. And that's when we make the biggest connections with our family. And that's when we make the biggest growth as people. You know, it allows you to be kinder. It allows you to be more caring. It allows you to do all these things when you're willing to become uncomfortable. See you real soon. (laughs) And that'll do it for this week's episode. I hope you guys liked it. Hey, make sure you keep an eye out for merch that should be coming out. I should have t-shirts, coffee mugs. I was trying to do hats, but I don't think I'm going to be able to do hats. So I think we're going to stick with the t-shirts and the coffee mugs. I thought those would be pretty popular. But thank you so much for listening. I hope you got something out of the last couple episodes. And remember, until next time, Have a magical day.